if in an observatory tonight, an astronomical astronomical observatory tonight, one astronomer snaps at the other and says, you're such a cold fish. And the other says, you're such a hothead. <laughs> then uh, that's astrology. That's right. They are unknowingly participating in ancient systems of astrology. Wow. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? How, how goes it in Washington Square today? Uh, it is a calm and cool morning in Washington Square. Huh. Very few uh, buskers, marching bands, political protests. Yeah, my favorite is the. Well, I just I, my, the most ambitious guy I see out there is the one who brings a grand piano. Oh, yeah, he's great. There's actually two of those guys now. <laughs> There's a race. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I bet you, Putin, you don't have two. <laughs> America has two grand piano guys in Washington Square. And, and at least one of them has a sign on the side of it that says, uh, this machine kills Nazis. <laughs> you know that? On the piano. It's very cool. That would be amazing. Wonderful. Yeah. Right from the top, I want to... There's two big... Two, two, I don't know, big, but two excellent announcements I want to make. First, I want to give the two, actually three shout outs. Three shout outs. Oh, it's a three shout out morning. If we were a morning radio show, there'd be a sound effect there. (laughs) (laughs) First, we have a sponsor now. We, uh, We are sponsored by the Unemployed Philosophers Guild. And I think you're familiar with them. As, as well. all right-thinking people are, yeah. Yes, as all right <laughs> Also left-thinking people. <laughs> <laughs> the Unemployed Philosophers Guild, they uh, make all those fabulous, very, well, as they say, smart, funny gifts for smart, funny people mm-hmm. that you see in museums, you see them in gift shops everywhere. For instance, they make Freudian slippers. <laughs> Wait for it. Takes a moment. Freudian slippers. And they also make a, a finger puppet of many scientists. For instance, Dozens, there's... yeah. I have, so my office door, if you've been in my office, as I assume many of our listeners have, uh, <laughs> you'll see my office door is covered in uh, those puppets. That's awesome. We are actually in your office right now. No, I am. Yes, you are. We, yes. we as listeners... I can't speak to the listeners. But. No. Well, actually, you are speaking to the listeners. Oh, whoa. You just blew my mind. Better. Yes, and uh, one of my favorites is the Carl Sagan finger puppet. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they, they gave me some, some things to say. So I'll say one thing. Uh, they gave me a bunch of like little 15-second thingers. Thingers. That's, that's how they're called in the ad business, by the way. Here's a thinger. <laughs> Uh, what the If podcast is supported by the Unemployed Philosophers Guild, makers of planet plates, lightweight melamine plates featuring watercolor portraits of our solar system. That's pretty oh. cool. You can find them 
Now, here's the key thing. If you, you do want to see all these things that they make. Uh, philosophersguild.com. They're called the Unemployed Philosophers Guild. Unconventional gifts for your unconventional friends. And also for our unconventional listeners. That's mm-hmm. you. We, every week, just all the time, 24-7, uh, there is an open invitation to you, listener, to send us ideas. We are only so clever here <laughs> at the WTIF studios. Mm-hmm. And you guys come up with fantastic ideas. In fact, we'll be featuring one today. So anyone whose idea gets used, if you get ifed, as we say, by us taking your idea and ifing it here on the show, it becomes the subject of one of our shows, we're going to send you a prize. A little little fun little toy, a little science-related toy of some kind from the Unemployed Philosophers Guild, philosophersguild.com. And our winner this week is Zach from Vancouver, Washington. Yay, Vancouver, Washington. And also a shout out to Colton, uh, of also of Vancouver, Washington, who he uh, also introduced to the show. And Zach, Zach contributed a lot. Zach is one of my favorite and our favorite listeners, mm-hmm. an early supporter of the WTIF Public Radio Network. Uh, he's, he's also suggested some other things that we will have exciting news about in the future. Yep. Not too far. Uh, we've been talking to some other podcasts that he loves, which we now also love. Oh, yes. And Zach had a number of excellent suggestions. First of all, a, a lot of you have sent great suggestions, and I don't want you to think that just because we're using this one and now that we wipe the slate clean after this, we're far too needy for that. Oh, yeah. We keep them have, coming. Keep them coming. We have um, a gilded bucket here uh, <laughs> that your ideas are in, and we will be picking it. You know, but please keep sending. It doesn't matter whether the, the idea came in in the current week for us to use it. We, we put it on the pile there. Um, there's a bunch of great ones in there. And thank you for sending those. So, Zach, Zach from Vancouver, Washington, thank you for this stellar idea. Yes, that's a pun because he, uh. su- he, he suggested a str- that we uh, take the pseudoscience idea. And we want to say that right up front. Zach, I believe, is a skeptic as well. And to all you skeptics out there, we just want to make this clear. We are not supporters of some of the pseudoscience ideas which we may talk about. Uh, At least I'm not. I can't speak for Matt. Because he's... What's your sign? Uh, Well, this is actually something we should talk about over the course of the podcast. Um, If you ask a modern astrologer what sign I am, I'm a Gemini. But that's actually not physically true. So, like I said, we can get to this in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I also have a problematic sign. Astro- astrological sign. So, Zach said, take astrology and, you know, w- what if it was real? How would that work? I love this idea because many of the pseudoscientific ideas, paran- paranormal or whatever, uh, those kind of things, would require such elaborate constructions to actually, if they were actually to be scientifically 
workable. And uh, that's what we do here. That's we, what we do. Elaborate constructions. Elaborate constructions. We have an enormous construction support staff. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where they get. Their budget is very small, and yet they come up with this extraordinary amount of equipment in that, in that room. And uh, they also have a, a very large supply of video games, which is interesting. I think that. It's it, not a coincidence. It, yeah. And um, so what the if astrology, I almost made that unfortunate slip of saying astronomy. Mm-hmm. What the if astrology were real? Meaning that you are. Uh, actually, Matt, why don't you lay out? What, what do you think? Just like the. the the core of, of, of astrology, which at its heart, what is what well? Is it? So I should say this is um, somewhat complicated because every civilization has some form of astrology. Oh, interesting! Every civilization. Right? So you know the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Chinese, Mesoamericans, the Indians—they um, all had their own some form of astrology. Um, which, if is just so to generalize, it would be the idea that the. Uh, the motions of the celestial bodies have some influence on people's actions and lives here on Earth. Right. Well, so, so I guess that it makes sense. Every civilization, uh, at least in ancient times, you know, could mm-hmm. see the stars incredibly brightly and, right. and with great number, as we can only when we go out to um, very, very, very dark places. See our earlier episode, by the way, on dark sky or... Yeah, light pollution. Light pollution. So they said, well, this must be important. Right, yeah, this must be important. And I think in particular, um, what caught people's attention is that the motions of the celestial bodies are regular in the sense that they repeat, but they're not too regular. (laughs) That is, there's, there's enough celestial bodies and their movements are complex enough that you can say, yeah, there's definitely pattern, some reason, some organization to what's going on, but it's not so clear that you're just like, okay, the sun comes up every day. Right. And by the right. way, if, if you also, if anyone in our listening audience is regular, but not that regular, <laughs> I think, I don't know, there, there's, there's some fiber, maybe. The Unemployed Philosopher's Guild probably has a product. <laughs> they probably do. They keep you regular. Einstein x I don't know. <laughs> um, so nowadays here in, in the United States where we are technically located. Yes. For tax reasons. Uh, <laughs> right. we're say, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> when we say astrology, we mean uh, the Greek tradition of astrology. Oh, okay. Which is um, essentially stolen from the Babylonians and the Egyptians. Uh, the, the Greeks were actually quite forthright about this. They're like, yeah, the Babylonians and the Egyptians were amazing mathematicians. So we just stole astrology from them. Wow. I think we may have some listeners in Egypt. Oh, good. Babylon, I don't know. Is that still a place? Babylon, I think there's like some suburb of Baghdad um, over what used to be Babylon. Okay. Well, if you're so, there. Ask around. So let us know. Listeners, yeah. if you're in Baghdad. We apologize us. on behalf of our Greek listeners. We apologize to you. We're doing international <laughs> diplomacy here also for tax reasons. So we can now write off this show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now let's, let's also, it comes down to something very simple like horoscopes. Uh, I remember as a kid right. seeing horoscopes. That, that was my introduction. 
And I should say, by the way, uh, we haven't had my my mother hasn't had a cameo in our show in a while, so <laughs> here she comes. <laughs> Welcome back, mom. And uh, she believes in us. Does she believe in astrology? Probably. She has a large uh, tolerance for for such phenomenon. But I actually, as a kid, I was pretty sure it didn't wasn't real. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was fascinated by it. And then eventually I learned to just switch that fascination over to astronomy. Um, But I had an enormous, thick, thick book about astrology. And what I was amazed by is how complicated it can get. But that's true for all ancient systems. They they grow, almost become Baroque. But a horoscope, you you look at the horoscope in the magazine or (laughs) website now, I guess, uh, or Twitter, and uh, it would say, if you were born under this particular sign... For instance, I, the reason I said I was complicated is I was born on a cusp, which is the last day of one and the first day of another. So I was born on the last day of Scorpio and the first day of Sagittarius, meaning I, from my point of view, get to choose whichever whichever one is traits true. would impress the person I'm talking to at the moment. Oh, it's good. And how does that work out for you? Pretty good, actually. People good. seem right. to like Scorpio and Sagittarius. It's, you know, doesn't, I don't know. Seems to think you're. I think you're smart, and you have a strong sex drive. So, oh my, oh, yeah. generally more on the smart. Well, yeah, that could go anywhere. Um, <laughs> so again, like I said, I could pull that out in either one. So yeah. So as you say, nowadays when when you think horoscope, you think of little pithy aphorisms divided up into twelve groups, like you said, in the back of the magazine or in the newspaper or whatnot. Right. Um, and when we say what's your sign, it's worth sort of taking a moment because we in order to understand what this world would be like, we need to kind of understand the principles that it that it runs on. Right. And the basic principle is that the different celestial bodies, so um for classical astrology, that would be uh the sun, the moon, Mercury, Venus uh, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Okay. Those are all the things they knew about in the sky. Cause they could see those. Yeah. So each of those, uh, bodies, um, had an influence in an emanation. So a particular property. And usually the, the division was, um, hot, cold, wet, and dry. Whoa. Okay. So Mars, for instance, was hot and dry. Interesting. They, okay. they were a little bit right about that. Right. And Saturn was cold and wet. Partially right. So, and then you, listener, yes. also have those four qualities in your body. True. Okay. And the, the Greeks thought that the balance of those four qualities um, are what made you healthy. You know, so some if truth you to had, that. Yeah. yeah. So if you have too much... Um, coldness and wetness in your body, mm. you've got the flu. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you know that because phlegm is a combination of cold, wet things and you produce lots of phlegm when you've got the flu. Uh, okay. Is that why we say we have a cold? That is exactly right. Really? Oh. Yep. So, so what do you think is going on when you've got a fever? What do you have an excess of? Too much hot. Yep. Exactly. Uh. So. Partially, so classical medicine was was trying to restore the balance of those four things. So the primary way you did that was by eating. So if you've got a cold, what should you eat less of? Cold things. Yeah. 
It's very straightforward, right? Go have some hot and sour soup because you've got too much cold and not enough hot. So go do that thing. Right. Um, And we still, like you said, we still have kind of folk remedies along these lines. Um, Right. So what does this have to do with the stars, you may ask? Right. What does this have to do with the stars? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) So since the celestial bodies also have these properties, when... Uh, one of these celestial bodies is overhead, those qualities get like beamed down to you as well. So when Mars eye in the sky, there's a lot of dry and hot influences going on. Uh So you're more likely to get a fever. So that affects everybody, not just people who were born under the sign of Mars. That's right. So at any given moment, um, you're affected. Everyone is affected by whatever stars are in the sky. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, the configuration of the heavens at the moment of your birth and also the moment of your conception, but that gets a little complicated to track down. Yeah. Um, at the moment of your birth, uh, those influences sort of fix onto you permanently. So if Mars is in a dominant position when you're born, your entire life, you're going to be a hot and dry person. Oh, okay. You won't get many colds. You will get a lot of fevers. You you will also be, um, there's also personality things that come with this too. So if you're hot and dry, you're quick to anger and you make fast decisions, um, but you're decisive and aggressive and things like that. So it, 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 uh, to make an analogy to another much more scientific system in D&D mm-hmm. and Dungeons and Dragons, you, uh, your character has certain traits that you roll for at the beginning. So you may have like 55 intelligence or. Yeah, whatever. something like that. And you could. Uh, now yeah, you have. So the six basic attributes, right? Strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, right. and charisma. Or if you play The Sims, also a similar uh, thing where each character in The Sims mm-hmm. has certain things. So. They will te- if you have a high strength, you're stronger, right. and and therefore the strength. So does that mean if strength was one of the traits of one of the planets? Does that mean that when the the planet that had more strength was overhead, that you good would for be you? stronger if you were born when it was high overhead? Right. Yeah, right, 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 right. So here's the thing. Let's jump to it working now. What right. you, one thing you've already said is that uh, interesting to me is that. My impression of astrology was that it's almost like there was a direct operation between you and the planet. But but you've actually made it clear it's actually a little, not quite so silly. That's right. It's it's influences. Yeah. It's almost like weather. It is actually the, the analogy is precisely weather. Right. Um so weather also has those four qualities too. So the seasons uh. have different mixtures of those. So you need to watch out for so if Mars is high in the sky during summer, then you're much more vulnerable to fevers and making rash decisions. Right, right. Right. So the value of astrology is not to tell you that today is going to be a bad day, but rather to tell you that you are, you need to watch out for splurging on stuff on Amazon today because of the particular... <sighs> configuration of weather and the heavens at this moment right so it really it's it's, it would be like space weather in some ways like (laughs) in other words when it's cold out like when when it's genuinely cold weather 
-hmm. Everybody will be colder, which is true, but there are some people who just naturally feel colder more often than other people that feel warmer. And so everyone's going to be affected by that. But it's as if there's not just temperature and wind and air pressure. There's also like personality traits in the weather. Yep, that's right. These things are all, there's no distinction between (laughs) human traits and weather traits and space traits, right? These are all one kind of body of thing. Right. So it's like instead of, there's a low pressure system coming in. Mm-hmm. When a particular planet is rising, as they would say, yep. well, we've got a we've got a shopping spree. We've got an impulsiveness. They've got an impulsiveness front. coming in. So <laughs> so watch out. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, and I should say geography is part of this too. So uh, the location of your city also has these four traits. E- okay. Now that's so New York, for instance, is wet because it's on the ocean. Right. But that also means there are certain personality traits. That's right. So if you're born in New York, um, and there's some argument about whether this can be adapted, like if you move to New York, do you gain these these traits? But if you're born in New York, you're going to be uh, wetter (laughs) than the normal person. (laughs) Forget about it. And if if you're born, so my children were born in Iowa, so Uh they're drier than the average New Yorker. So they're more vulnerable to fevers and less likely to get colds. Oh, oh I was going to say if they were drier than at least when they were infants, that made life a little bit easier. Life a little bit easier. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. How could that be? So, so let's, Mars is a good one. So Mars, as one example of the planets that have an effect on us, they are basically, it's kind of like they're shining certain in science terms, I think they'd have they'd have to be rays. Rays, right? Yeah. So te- the technical term is emanations, which I uh-huh. which I find just a beautiful word. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's exactly the the sense of it is that Mars is giving off these rays of impulsiveness and feverishness, and when Mars is low in the sky, those rays don't hit you very hard. But then when Mars is directly overhead, you're just getting blasted with these things. And you're ordering pizza every night and so on. Yeah. Right. Now, this, is, this gets back to actually to, a, to an actual question about physics, mm-hmm. cosmology. Everything uh, appears to work in terms of some particle or wave or it's, it's the same the thing that, that goes between two things that yeah. affects both of them. Is, it can be seen as a particle or a wave. And so, uh, and we can explain almost a whole lot. I was going to say almost everything, but we never know how big everything is. Mm-hmm. But for instance, gravity is something we, because of this idea, we have this thing about gravity, which Einstein showed us, by the way, is not a ray in and of itself. It's actually mm-hmm. just the space around you is curved. So you feel that. But the thing yeah. is, what curves the space? Right. Yeah. So the. Um, so we, we the, believe that, there, that, right. that mass, for instance, a, a matter must have some kind of particle that does the pulling on the space. Right. Yeah. So this is a longstanding problem in, and I don't know, in some sense, it's kind of the formative problem of modern science, mm. which is 
how does a thing here affect a thing over there? Okay. Right. So, okay. Right. So it's called the action at a distance problem. Right. So for, for Newton, that's how can it be that the sun pulls on the earth when they're not touching each other? Um, right. And uh, as you say, the modern solution to this is usually exchange of particles. So the sun is shooting off vast numbers of gravitons that smack into the earth and vice versa. And that's how they interact with each other. Um, Newton pondered that uh, possibility, but for various reasons, that wasn't his, his favorite one. Mm-hmm. Um, another solution is what's called the field theory, which is that an object changes the state of space around it in some way. Right. So that's, right. that's more of the, the Einsteinian version. Um, and then, so it's not that uh, the objects are touching, but rather they change the space around them and then the space around them touches something else right. and it's okay. And even, even, um, even more, somewhat more simply, if you, if you look into particle physics and you just look at the, 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 na- the number of particles that have been discovered, mm-hmm. many of them are, don't they call them force particles? Yeah, or force carriers. Yeah. Force carriers. So there's actual particles, well, particles made of matter. Well, they're Mass. they're just the quarks, or okay. they're they're, right. they're they're their own thing, yeah. Right. Um, but so, actually, believe it or not, this um, uh, what we're discussing right now is directly relevant to the astrology question. Yeah. Um, and here's why. So Newton is has this equation that he's quite sure describes how bodies interact at a distance from each other. Right. He doesn't have a good explanation for how. He doesn't have either fields or these particles to to explain how these things pull together. Um, so his official stance is to say, I don't know how it works. Don't ask me. Um, <laughs> in, in Latin, he says hypothesis non fingo, meaning um, I'm not going to postulate any reasons for how this happens. That but, would be a great just family crest. Totally. Uh, hypothesis non fingo. Yeah. Or um, a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a tattoo if you're really committed. Yeah. 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 Um, but we have, but in his, um, his private correspondence and in his notebooks, we know actually what he was thinking about. And what he was thinking about was alchemy. Hmm. So alchemy is also part of this general astrological idea that there are these qualities in the universe that affect each other. Right. So in the same way that Mars makes you get a fever, um, sulfur uh, can act on... uh, salt of a loom to make lead right so so things can be transformed by these alchemical powers and the alchemical powers are essentially the same ones that make astrology go so when new so newton spends most of his time actually doing alchemy he spends very little of his time doing physics interesting yeah most of his life is alchemy and theology and 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 with the powers they didn't come down to thinking about how those powers were physically transmitted. Well, that was, that was a genuine puzzle. That is, they couldn't quite figure it out. From, from Newton's point of view, the powers clearly existed. Precisely how they worked, that's when you say hypothesis non-fingo. Interesting. You can't know exactly what it is. But what this means is Newton has this puzzle. says, how can I be sure that it is possible for the sun's gravity to act on the earth without them touching? And he says, well... I see it in my laboratory every day when I'm doing my experiments with gold and lead and acid. 
says, I know that there are these invisible powers out there in the universe. Oh, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the uh, hidden variable. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like, well, they're just powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It says, you know, just we don't really understand it, but, you know, that's the research problem for the next generation right, or whatnot. Right. Which is kind of right. I mean, it, it is a, there is a power going, there's a force going on. Yeah, that's on. right. We just don't describe, I mean, the, the things that Newton described as alchemical powers nowadays we talk about as things like chemical bonds. Right. Or midichlorians. Midichlorians, for instance. We, so you know, use another important scientific category. Yes, yeah. yes. But actually, that that to help people understand that actually, just uh, if you remember in in Star Wars, of course, there is the Force, mm-hmm. and that that's a whole thing. And then, um, for some reason, uh, I think actually, <laughs> perhaps because George Lucas is actually does a lot of philanthropy with science education. Maybe all kinds of education, but I know for sure he gives a lot of money to to to, to help science education. Oh, and uh, yeah, so it, it, yeah, he has a huge educational uh, philanthropy. So, in fact, there's a whole series called Star Wars Science. Um, oh yeah, mm-hmm. right where they use they use it. So uh, anyway, it, when he went back to do the prequels, he decided. And actually, it might have been that in the this is a deeper subject, but it might have been at, at the time there was a lot of talk. In politics, problems with anti-scientific forces <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, affecting the government and and, and hurting uh, the ability to teach science in the classroom. So anyway, when he went back to episode one to write that, he decided to ex- have the Jedi explain the Force as being carried by uh, particles called midichlorians. Well, right. I think they're supposed to be critters. They like may be alive. Or yeah. something, right? That's yeah. right. That's right. Anyway, th- th- this thing. So the idea is that there's something mm-hmm. that makes up the force and particles that make up the force. I'm trying to be scientific. And in astrology, we're trying to say that, okay, well, if there's impulsiveness is a fun one. So if, yes. is, does Mars bring impulsiveness? Actually, I know yes. Mars, people say, well, okay, so Mars brings impulsiveness. Let's stay with that. So there must be impulsiveness particles. Yes. Yep. I'm cool. Cool that raining down, and you would find a correlation between Amazon profits, or at least Amazon <laughs> sales, and Mars being overhead. Yep, that's right. It would be very so. If you were an Amazon um, accountant, planner, marketer, I don't know what the job would be. Right. Um, but you would plan for that, right? You'd say, okay, if Mars is in ascendance, um, our low, we should have lots of sales to catch the impulsive people. Yeah. Okay. Right. And then, and then when Mars is not being very influential, we should have fewer sales and more solid bargains that will appeal to people who are really thinking things through. Right, to the to the frugal waves. Right. But then at the same time, remember, Mars is only one of several celestial bodies. Right. So uh, Saturn's coldness will also influence people to buy, say, ice cream. So we need to take into account that if, if Saturn and Mars are up at the same time, 
then ice cream sales and impulsiveness are going at the same time. Okay. So, so what would be happening here is essentially you've got several planets overhead. Let's say Mars, Saturn, and Venus are overhead at the sure. same time. And overhead meaning that within any 12-hour period, they're sort of above the horizon. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so these rays are coming down from the planet mm-hmm. and it's kind of like like with radio all the waves of all the radio stations are out there right yep and if you're closer to the radio station if anyone remembers uh, <laughs> uh, airborne broadcast broadcasting uh, you're going to hear a particular station much louder the local uh, yeah, station Right. And so it's like, oh, Mars is overhead. And they probably say in astrology, is it that the higher in the sky it is, the more of a force it is? Yeah. Closer to the zenith, we say, meaning directly overhead. Right. To the zenith, which was the television when I was growing up. And <laughs> so, yeah. So, so the, if you had, a, you, you could have a, you could actually have sensors. That's, so that's a big thing. Yep. Yeah, he totally could. We get right. and, and I should say yeah. those sensors would be uh, would would um, would detect the four qualities, right? Hot, cold, dry, <sighs> and wet. Okay. So they would be detectors for celestial bodies. They would also be good for weather. Yeah. And yeah. they would be, and doctors would use them too. So they'd uh. scan you and say, "Ah, you're a little low on hot." You should go eat some spicy food. And then you say, but wait, isn't Mars up right now? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. So the Mars being up should counter your, your low heat right now. Right. And by the way, pro tip, if you have to remind your doctor <laughs> <laughs> of some scientifically important fact, get a new doctor. So um, now there, yeah. and of course there are healers in the, I mean, right, this is actually how some healers in the world are operating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things I find so interesting is about modern. So modern astrology is all based on this system. And this system is, is codified by an astronomer named Ptolemy in the first, second century AD. Interesting. Yes. An astronomer. Yep. yep. That's right. So that's how, that's how you made your money as an astronomer was by doing astrology. Uh. So, so Ptolemy both makes the great Greek astronomical system and the great Greek astrological system. Whoa. He creates them both. So, so the names of the constellations? Well, the names of the constellations are again, stolen from the Babylonians for the most part. Mm. Yes. But But he writes them down or he, he's the one who codifies them. Yeah. And so he is not. So when we look up at the sky and we see Sagittarius, for instance, Mm -hmm. uh, Ptolemy said, yeah, th- those stars make up Sagittarius, but also there's a power coming from them, or a particular yeah, mixture. That's right. Of- yeah, not so much the stars as the planets. Um, but yes, so in, in book one, called uh, <laughs> the Almagest, um, he says, this is how you calculate where the planets are going to be at any given time. And then in book two, called the Tetrabiblios, meaning four books, actually, mm. um, he says, uh, now that you know where Mars is, this is how you figure out how it's going to affect you. And that's the astrology. 
Oh, so a con is a constellation like Sagittarius is that is that exists independent of the planet. Right. Yeah. So a constellation is a location. Oh, it's, okay. a, it's a way of specifying where something is in the sky. So actually, this goes back to the start of our conversation. So when you ask somebody, "What's your sign?" Right. What you're asking is, um, "What constellation was the sun in front of when you were born?" The sun. Okay. So that's a way of locating because the sun, the sun is just one of several bodies in the sky that influences you. It's just a really powerful one. Right. So it's the dominant one for you. Got it. Um, so okay. that's just, so, so asking what somebody's sign is, is just saying, uh, where in the sky was the sun? So now if we, so, could we convert, yeah. just convert that to real science, we would have to mm -hmm. say that, uh, so the sun does the sun also affect, does it have personality traits and all that kind of stuff? It does. Yeah. I assume it's, it's clearly hot. I can't remember right. if it's uh, <laughs> wet or dry. I'd have to check. Yeah. So stars, planets and stars both emanate, both have emanations. Yep. They are both emitting rays, personality rays, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> That's right? right. Yep. And I guess, I guess identified by the letter P. I don't know. And there'd be a constant. The P would be the constant that determines the strength of personality rays. And yep. therefore, star the we know what Ptolemy didn't, that those stars, two things. One, that those stars are very far away, but that they are suns. Right. Mm -hmm. And also that there's way more. Well, now Ptolemy actually would have seen quite a lot of stars, but even he didn't know. Isn't it true that if there were no if if there weren't dust in space blocking the light of many stars, that the sky would just be solid. Well, so this is something called Olber's paradox. Mm. Um, and the answer is no, the mm. sky would still be dark. But the explanation for why it would still be dark turns out to be really complicated. Mm. But it's one of the fundamental cosmological kind of paradoxes of why the sky isn't bright everywhere you look. Okay. But, all right, so maybe that would affect personality rays, too. Yeah, but you're right. So if we updated Ptolemy's astrological system for today, yes, um, each star, we need to figure out what emanations come from each star in the sky. Right. So that's a lot. And then also we have more bodies in our own solar system than he knew about. Right. So we have to figure out what Uranus and Neptune do to us. And then I guess all of the minor planets, too. So right. like Pluto, Ceres and Eros and all those others. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when we demoted Pluto, did that diminish some of its power, some of its rays? Did he get mad and send angry <laughs> rays? And, uh, oh, so each star had a different, is that the idea that you think? Yeah, that's right. Each star. So for instance, Betelgeuse is a reddish star. Right. So it was clearly had hot emanations. Oh, okay. So everything boils down to these four things. That's the idea. Okay. Yep. Well, that's interesting. How they determine personality stuff from that is just based on... Well, it's complicated. And actually, I should say, we actually still have... Um, uh, we still use some of these words. So, for instance, the term phlegmatic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, phlegmatic is a medical term from ancient Greece describing somebody who has too much phlegm, that is, too much cold and wet in their body. Right, right. Okay. So, the phlegmatic oh. personality 
is what the kind of person you are if you have too much cold and wet. Right. So the last thing I'm just going to hit on the, the absurdity of this, and I, I do want to pick this up again. Uh, cold. So so cold, hot, wet, dry. Those things don't just have the traits that on the face of them, they seem to have cold is cold. Cold and hot are temperatures. Wet and dry are humidity. Right. Something. So cold, but th- what they were doing is saying cold also had certain person, all kinds of personality. Yep. That's right. And I should say that's not, we still talk that way, right? That person's a cold fish. That person's a real <laughs> hothead, right? right? These are all uh, leftovers of this system. Um, we just, we've just, like with horoscopes, we've forgotten a whole system in which these things are embedded. And now we, we take what's supposed to be a really complicated calculation, the influence of all the celestial bodies on you, right. and reduce it to today is going to be a good day for adopting a cat, right? And you're like, well. Right. <laughs> because the rays, yeah. So in, in an astronomy, if, if in an observatory tonight, an astronomical, astronomical observatory tonight, one astronomer snaps at the other and says, you're such a cold fish, and the other says, you're such a hothead. <laughs> then uh, that's astrology. That's right. They are unknowingly participating in ancient systems of astrology. Wow. Wow. So that's okay. Just, you know, you can do that. Yeah. Just be aware. Yeah. Just, um, uh, yeah. Just know where it comes from. Right. Or right. Say that that woman is so phlegmatic. Say, oh, well, that's because of the yeah, influence yeah. of. Right. And for us, that's a joke. And unfortunately for all too many people that the people, people are doing it right now for real. Yeah, that's right. And one of the bizarre things is that people who, who think of themselves as astrologers today, that is the people who make the horoscope, almost certainly have no idea of the complexity of this system or how it's supposed to work. Uh, okay. Right. I don't yeah. think there are many people out there who actually sit down and calculate where all the planets are in the sky and then uh, exactly what emanations that would be creating for your body. Yeah. I mean, who does that? Well, so there needs to be, just like you have scientific conferences, I'm sure there are astrology conferences, but I'd like to see an actual scientific astrology conference where we can get a bunch of people who write the most popular horoscopes and have them discuss their methods. And Actually, I think that would be a really interesting be thing hilarious. because I, I have no idea what the answer would be. Right? How what do you what do you calculate in the process of doing this? Yeah. So uh, so a call uh, out to our listeners. I'm sure some of you out there have been interested in astrology. Maybe some of you uh, follow it or or um, yeah, engage in it. Horoscopes. Yeah. Right, maybe follow it and um, um, I'd love if you have any information on astrology. If you've ever been to an astrology conference, I'd love to. I mean, I'll, I'll look that up on YouTube or something. I'm sure it'd be fun. The arguments would just be hilarious because really what come down to is probably the, the ones for the largest media organizations. It's like they sit down at lunch and they well, I determine think the fate show, of show up at one of those conferences with Ptolemy's Tetrabiblios oh. and be like, "Who has read this?" <laughs> <laughs> And if I you know, haven't, I what know. are you doing? 
I knew Ptolemy, sir, and you, <laughs> sir, are no Ptolemy. Exactly. Uh, but this uh, is why nobody invites me to astrology conferences. <laughs> I have an old friend named Ptolemy, by the way, who is an, a wonderful comedian and actor, and he is on Westworld. No way. He, there are two pretty hilarious, two buddies who work in the laboratory. They wear the white coats. Oh, right. Yeah. And he's the, the one with the beard. And anyway, one is uh, Asian and the other is Caucasian. And Ptolemy is the more Caucasian of the two. And um, very, very funny. And yes, he, if I remember correctly, he has funny stories about having grown up with the name Ptolemy. And I should say also Ptolemy, the actual Ptolemy, the historical Ptolemy, rather, yeah. um, was Egyptian, too, to, to hearken back to our internationalist Ooh. start to the podcast today. Awesome. So shout out to Egypt again. We salute mm-hmm. you. Uh, Ptolemy Slocum is that actor. Oh, Maybe nice. Look him up. Um, he, he goes on some podcasts and stuff. Very funny guy. So, Zach of Vancouver. Thank you. Uh, Vancouver, Washington, by the way. The first time I saw Vancouver, I thought, oh, we have a Canadian listener. We, we do have Canadian listeners, but I thought you were one of them. No, he he's not. Washington. Canadian Washington. So. Um, yeah, and I should say, I've got many peeps out there. So, hello to uh, Brigida and Aaron and Isaac and Katrina and folks. All right. All right. And shout out to Dr. Kiki across the river in Portland and Paula. Yeah, we're just... They're, they're waves... You know, bound to, these people are carrying waves. So there are some WTIF waves <laughs> yes. emanating right now across Emanations. the yeah. Port, Portland metropolitan area. Uh, Zach, as I said, you will be receiving a uh, wonderful uh, gift from uh, the Unemployed Philosophers Guild. Uh, you can see all their stuff at philosophersguild.com. And we're super, I mean, our. Our personality rays and the Unemployed Philosophers Guild personality rays, rays, I believe, are a lot of simpatico there. Yes, I think that's right. Smart, funny people like you, listeners. So next week, we'll, can, we'll, we'll take up a different idea from a listener. Keep sending them in. Feed, you can email them at feedback at whattheif.com, or you can text, uh, text, you can hit me up on Twitter, whattheifshow, at whattheifshow show or if you forget everything go to our website whattheif.com if you're really lazy you can actually go to wtif.show it's the secret address takes you to the same place send us your ideas and uh, also send us your thoughts um zach also matt i'll I'll send them to you zach had some reactions which were pretty great so thank you all for listening. I love doing this. And as usual, we barely got started on this. Yes, that's right. So, <laughs> we can pick it up again another uh, time. Well, another thing you can send in is suggestions for any episodes you want to hear us continue further. Stay right, tuned. Farewell. Next week, we will get together again and we will say What the, the If If If, if, if. if.